Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Shackman. Herbert Hoover said that the business of America is business. If we were around today in the age of globalization, he might have referred to the business of the world. And yet, as our current election shows, as the recent Brexit vote shows, the connection between people and business has never been more tattered and frayed. Globalization itself, disruption, dislocation, the obsession with short-term profits and shareholder value, coupled with the free flow of goods and money and jobs around the world, has created a chasm between the worlds of business and ordinary citizens. At a time when technology has made it easier for citizens to actually come together and be engaged, business has too often retreated to its C-suites in the hopes that the storm would pass. But it won't. The clouds are getting darker. And with automation and AI now reaching virtually every sector of the workforce, with workers and public anger reaching toxic levels, business can no longer hide. We're going to talk about this today with my guest, Lord John Brown. He was chief executive of BP from 1995 to 2007. He is now executive chairman of L1 Energy, and he's the author of a new book entitled Connect, How Companies Succeed by Engaging Radically with Society. Lord John Brown, thanks so much for joining us. It's a great pleasure. It's great to have you here. In the course of doing this book, I know that that you and your colleagues interviewed many, many business executives across the country and around the world. Does business have an understanding of this disconnect that is taking place today? Not entirely. We in we spoke to oh, over two thousand uh, chief executives, and I, we found out that only thirty percent of them thought that they had a grip of what was going on uh, in the world. And of those, 30% of those thought that they were doing a good job in this area. So the answer is there's a very big gap. Uh, I think many uh, CEOs we spoke to believed that this was a cyclical phenomenon, the fracture between uh, business and society, and uh, you know, they would be, uh, it would heal itself in due course, uh, and nothing was to be done. We disagreed with that. That might have been the case in the past, but today, as you've just said, people are so well connected that when something goes wrong, it stays there in their minds forever. And what goes wrong is when business doesn't take into account the world as a whole and and the society. The irony of that, of course, is that on the one hand, we're talking about how well-connected people are, and on the other hand, how disconnected these executives are from the reality of what's happening around them. Well, that is true, and, and that's why, hence the source of the book. We've we, we noticed in history, going back 2,000 years, that uh, business does get disconnected uh, because it believes it's got a right uh, to do business, as it were, for itself, rather than for society as a whole. And doing business is a privilege. You get a license from society to do it. So you need to invest in, in and around your business. You need to be making your strategies, uh, and day-to-day as strategies as well as long-term strategies, in involving the stakeholders with whom you get in contact. You can't just put that on as an afterthought. And that's why uh, we wrote this book. 
Talk a little bit about the way in which this time it's different. You know, it's, those are always dangerous words, particularly on, on Wall Street. But why is it fundamentally different this time in terms of it not being, as you talked about before, just a cycle that's going to pass through? It's primarily uh, because people can observe and see what is going on, and they can react much more quickly to things that they find either inequitable, inappropriate, or things which are inconsiderate of their existence. So whether it is uh, uh, an issue of uh, labor being uh, run too hard in China and the apparent suicide of people in factories who where the labor relations are wrong, or whether it is a, a, a reaction to frack fracking in certain parts of the United States where people say, wait a minute now, we're not happy with the safety of this and our water. Uh, all points in between. These, uh, these, these um, debates, these provocations, these discussions get to be known very quickly. And if you don't do something about it, then you begin to reduce the capability of business to do things for the future. Now, one of the things we found was that those companies that engaged really well with their stakeholders always made more money than those that didn't. And the difference was very significant indeed. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that is, and we, the second thing we found is those that engaged well built a, a reservoir of um, reputation and goodwill which is always needed by companies because something always goes wrong somewhere. And you need the goodwill of all your stakeholders to get through difficult times. Is the difference, when you talk to all of these executives around the world, is the difference generational? No, not that that's detectable, I would say. Certainly there has been a shift uh, over time. I've been 50 years in business, and I remember when I first started... Uh, most people would interview a CEO simply to ask whether they would wish to impart pearls of wisdom to the nation generally, uh, rather than say to them, why are you doing this? So there was a huge respect for authority. There is no respect for authority now. People must win their position by doing the right thing and arguing for the right thing. I, I think people have changed, uh, and so many regardless of generation. I think people have adapted and adopted uh, these new, uh, new ways of uh, behaving. Do you think that many of these leaders, these corporate leaders that, that you talk to, are capable of writing the ship, are capable of turning things around? I think some very much are, and there are clear examples of companies. I won't pick a large list, but to Unilever, for example, which is completely changed its strategies on the basis of what stakeholders really want for it, from it, not just for today, but for tomorrow. Salesforce.com, a great company with great uh, relationships. They've been, so, and so they obviously have great leadership. And I think this is the formula for success, is leaders need to be committed to understand that they need to include in their way of behaving within the company not only great um, staff internally, including all the staff to engage them, but also people from the outside world. They need to uh, make sure that they get that done in the line, not by some separate organization, and they need to measure the impact of it. When they do that, uh, they do a good job. 
Of course, I, more, of course, more than changing individuals is the idea of changing the culture of some of these organizations. And, and as Peter Drucker once so astutely said, culture eats strategy for lunch. I mean, you can have all of these great plans and great ideas and even individual engagement, but if it doesn't change the culture of the company, it's all for naught. Uh, of course, uh, and uh, that is the point. You have to be committed to change the behavior and the culture inside a company. Uh, Drucker's words are as true today as they were when he wrote them, that all strategy is based on the limits that you can achieve with the culture and behavior inside a company and in the partnerships it creates. Uh, I believe that very firmly. In my, in my experience, that's been true. But you have to set, around, uh, get set about programmatically changing things. And you have to see a prize at the end, and the prize is always being able to do business sustainably and in a better way and avoiding many mistakes. You know, one of the things that you observe with companies I do, uh, and I've seen it in my own experiences, is when companies get uh, too uh, interested in just what they're doing and not what the world around them is doing, they do do very bad things. For example, Volkswagen, I think sitting in, in, a, in one place in Germany discussing things might well have not actually looked around in the world and said, what, what are we doing compared with the rest of the world? Being in a bubble is not a good idea. Does it require or should part of the discussion revolve around redefining what a corporation is, what corporate responsibility is in, in a broader context, not an individual circumstance? I think a lot of that is being done, but it needs to be done with a, a greater uh, impact and with greater force. Uh, I think all companies should be required to demonstrate that they are behaving in connection with the relevant constituencies that they affect and work with, the so-called stakeholders. I think to demonstrate they're simply being corporately responsible can allow many companies simply to go through a formulaic approach to check boxes in a report and not necessarily change their business. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first. The second is, in the end, of course, whatever is done here has to be done in a way which gives companies the incentive to do better. That's, I think, an easy way, easier way of getting things done. The incentive here is better performance, as is evidenced by companies that do this job very well. So I think that's the important thing. I don't think that uh, pro pro changes in processes or procedures are going to go very far without people understanding that it's really in their benefit to do this. Perhaps regulation, uh, but regulation tends to produce uh, an atmosphere simply of compliance, not necessarily of changed behavior. Is there a role for public policy and for government in any of these changes? Many of uh, many things have been tried by governments around the world, from uh, worker representation on boards uh, through to different forms of reporting um, and uh, different uh, ways of engaging definitions of what a company should do. In the end, I think it, it, it depends on the culture of a, a nation, wh where you are. But I think that the thing that is universally true is this, that businesses have a license to operate from society. It's a privilege to be a business. There are certain protections, if you're a corporation, which are privileges, which have been hard won over many years, and they're 
surrounded by a variety of rules and regulations that make you work well. I think that uh, you have to be cautious to put too many more um, regulations and rules as a result of public policy. I think in the end it is up to investors to recognize that companies that do not operate on a sustainable basis are in peril for their terminal value, for their value. So it should be investors pressuring people, and there are many long-term investors, BlackRock, for example, uh, that have been on this subject for some time. I hope that the momentum builds so that people can do more and more of it. I think the other thing, if I may say, is this, that as people enter business, certainly new generations, they have different standards and expectations. They expect to be in businesses that are admired uh, and that are part of uh, society. And they won't necessarily join businesses that feel as if they're taking advantage of society rather than plowing something back to them. Of course, they'll only join successful businesses, so they have to be able to do both, both be successful as a business and successful within society as a whole. Mm -hmm. You talk about investors. In many ways, people argue that investors, and we see this over and over again, are part of the problem because there has been so much focus on short-term profits, on quarterly results, and not enough on, on the long-term sustainability, as you say, of companies. Even somebody on the level of Jeff Bezos gets often attacked by investors. I mean, just last week, the stock was, was beaten down because of focusing on long-term sustainability versus short-term profit. I think uh, you know it was always the advice I was given that uh, no CEO is doing a good job if he's focused entirely on the day-to-day -day performance of the stock price. In the end, you have to look through and ask yourself, are you building a business which is going to be more valuable tomorrow than it is today? And you have to build uh, the right uh, um, level and the right nature of the investor set around you that recognizes what you're saying. So much of this is communicating what you want to do and then having the investors that actually support what it is the company is doing and demonstrating it by track record. I, I think there's always a problem if uh, there's a, a change in strategy, a change in tone. Investors get very worried that they're investing in something that they didn't understand. So I think communication is really important here. Uh, and then I believe it can be done. I mean, I was very struck by uh, the CEO of Unilever coming in and within his first six months said, um, I'm not going to report uh, quarterly earnings to the market. I'm only going to report half yearly. And everyone said, that sounds fine. And then uh, he said, well, I'm going to change the strategy. But he did, in fact, uh, communicate with his investor base step by step through this. And I think that is important. It's, it's a high premium on building or bringing your investors with you because I think they need to believe that they actually understand what they're investing in. Well, many of these companies that we're talking about and the big picture of what we're talking about is, in fact, global. Are you seeing any kind of a fundamental difference in terms of strategy or kind between corporations that are based in the U.S. versus those that might be in Europe or those in Asia? Is there a difference in attitude, and are attitudes changing with regards to what we've been talking about at different speeds in different places? Uh, for companies that are fully owned by uh, in public markets, 
there isn't too much difference. Many of the big companies, of course, are global, uh, and so they, they, they work in many jurisdictions and have the influences of all those jurisdictions on the way in which they work. So I think there isn't too much difference, I would say. It, it is, I think, too easy a thing to say, you know, that um, uh, the tendencies are more regulatory in Europe and slightly more libertarian elsewhere, and therefore there are differences in the way in which companies work. That actually is probably not true. In the end, it is, of course, about culture. Uh, uh, that is the difference. You know, what is the educational basis upon which uh, executives are brought up? Uh, what are their aspirations? What do they regard as appropriate for earning power and things like that? Th th those things do uh, make some differences in the way in which people think about companies. But in the end, they, they tend to be very small differences. There are big differences, of course, in some areas where society is slightly less open uh, to a gl global impact and areas such as, I mean, some of the, the, the smaller companies in Germany or the smaller companies in Japan, uh, they don't have the same influences on them as uh, the larger companies do. But basically, larger companies are controlled uh, not just by their investors but by stakeholders around the world who expect them to perform for them as well as the investor. Does the current wave of public anger that we're seeing in things like the Brexit vote, the American political campaign, and the political campaign coming together in France, is what's happening in these political frameworks, is that getting through to some of these corporate executives? Are they seeing what's happening out there? It's difficult to, be, uh, to generalize. I think people were quite surprised with the Brexit vote certainly uh, in the corporate sector, I would say, uh, and it's reminded them that uh, people have a point of view uh, and they didn't like what they saw uh, the so-called establishment doing and they wanted to make a point that they, the, the, the general population had a different view. So it's a reminder, I think, to everybody, certainly I think in the UK, uh, that being connected with stakeholders is even more important. If you're not connected, then you will make the wrong decisions or you will presume that you know something you don't know. How much, if any, of this is connected still to a kind of hangover from the 2008-2009 financial crisis? Some of it is. Uh, I think many people have been, um, were burned by that, bruised, and they were asking the question, how could this happen, of course? And and it, it's surprising that, you know, when people see uh, movies, they read books, that it all started with uh, the best of intentions, which was to provide many people with a mortgage so they could own their home. The only problem was that those who wrote the mortgages, who sold the mortgages, were incentivized for that and not uh, to see whether they could be serviced in any way. And, and through this one thing, a lot of things started happening. Uh, that created chaos. And so they, they basically were, I think people were beginning to say, you know, can we trust a bank ever, ever? Uh, and slowly it, it, it's possible to build reputation back, but it takes a lot of time. So I think that's the start of a, a new generation of concern. The earlier generations were things like uh, Enron, which uh, caused concern to people. My investors lost money and they wondered what had gone wrong. Uh, the, uh, the global financial crisis was another. 
And then we see uh, consumer issues like Volkswagen, maybe like Wells Fargo, um, and uh, a variety of things like that. Uh, there have been scandals where uh, people have been selling uh, 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 undisclosed horse meat instead of real food uh, to people, and they've had problems with milk given to people, which is made of uh, uh, bad chemicals. All these things are to do with the safety of the consumer, and people, of course, go to regulation. Regulation is, is very important in safety uh, for the consumer generally, and then they figure out how to tighten it up. And as it's there, people say, well, there we are. You see, we, we can't trust uh, corporations unless we regulate them again and again. It's it's interesting that it also undermines the broader sense of public trust, that not only is there a lack of trust in, in corporate institutions, but there's a lack of trust that then goes to government, which is the very institutions that are trying to regulate some of this. Well, I think there's not necessarily lack of trust. I mean, people do trust the, for example, the FDA, you know, it's, uh, uh, generally. I mean, there are a few things that go wrong, but Generally, they trust it. They trust uh, many central bankers. Uh, but what they look at is, are they successful in doing what they set out to do? Uh, and the standards are very, very high. So it seems to me that regulation, regulation of course, is essential. Uh, I'm, I'm not a believer that it all sorts itself out in the end. Uh, you actually have to regulate to protect uh, the weak and protect the people without a voice. Um, and uh, so I think that uh, that's, that's essential. But, but I think people do, would be pre are prepared to trust certain institutions of government. They may not trust government as a whole, but there are institutions they trust, and we should build with those. Of course, the overlay to everything we have been talking about is really the speed at which change takes place today, whether it's technological change or social change or whatever it may be, that all of this is happening on ground that is not always solid, the ground that is shifting underneath all of the players. That is true. I think there are concerns, certainly, for example, in Europe, about the use of data uh, that comes from uh, very complex uh, consumer products, uh, you know, who want, so firms that want to know, that, that have your data, they want to know about your behavior, they want to predict your behavior. People are concerned about that. They don't fully understand it. They don't understand why it is that this data uh, is being used and can it be kept secure and do they want people to know everything about their lives. So. There are plenty of these issues which are developing, and it's up to corporations to be sensitive to these issues and solve them with people rather than simply say to them, it's good for you. You know, isn't it fun? Isn't it greatly convenient? I think people need a much deeper dialogue as things move quickly. It always seems there isn't enough time for a dialogue, but dialogue with stakeholders and really involving stakeholders is, I think, really important here. Lord John Brown, his book is Connect, How Companies Succeed by Engaging Radically with Society. John, I thank you so much for spending time with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank we'll you.